KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Monday, November 29th, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Brian Seltzer, Sabrina Boyd-Circa. She's got the day off today as we return from this long holiday weekend. Brian, how was your holiday It was great, Jay. There was enough food. Got to see some people. Operative word see, which was nice. I was at one of those functions where, and I was fully in support of this, people, we took our rapid tests before we gathered. Everything came back negative and clean. And so we all got to hang out, a good group of us who hadn't seen each other for a while, spent time with both sides of the family. It was good. It was great. One of my favorite holidays. It might be my favorite holiday. I think it is. It's great to get back and see family, see friends of mine. I was able to go back to Michigan to see my parents and actually spend time yeah. with them on Thanksgiving where last year it was over FaceTime and everything. It's just so much easier to do that. As you mentioned Thanksgiving. Christmas is my thing. I'm a big Christmas guy. And by the way, shout out to of course everybody who's celebrating Hanukkah which began over the weekend. A little earlier than usual but shout out to everyone who's begun to celebrate the Festival of Lights, the eight days of Hanukkah that have begun as well. Just like probably a lot of you did over the last few days. We're going to just jump right into these Thanksgiving leftovers on this Monday edition of The Rundown. Now, some of the good vibes and great energy from the holiday weekend were a little tempered as news of a new variant of COVID arrived on Friday, the Omicron variant. And President Biden spoke with the nation shortly after 12 noon today. And here's part of what he had to say about this variant. Today, there are three messages about the new variant that I want the American people to hear. First, this variant is a cause for concern, not a cause for panic. Second, The best protection, I know you're tired of hearing me say this, the best protection against this new variant or any of the of the variants out there, the ones we've been dealing with already, is getting fully vaccinated and getting a booster shot. Third, in the event, hopefully unlikely, that updated vaccinations or boosters are needed to respond to this new variant, we will accelerate their development and deployment with every available tool. I want to reiterate, Dr. Fauci believes that the current vaccines provide at least some protection against the new variant, and the boosters strengthen that protection significantly. We do not yet believe that additional measures will be needed. A couple things, Jay. I thought it was really nice to hear that phrase that the president said, this is about concern, not panic. Because I'll be honest with you, I was ready to fully relax, turn off the phone, let my mind just wade into a pool of tryptophan over the weekend. (laughs) And then for me, I think I remember it Friday towards the end of the day. I'm just checking in on on Twitter and looking at different sites. And you start to see word about Omicron. And throughout the rest of the weekend, more and more news outlets began to pick this up. They seemed to report about it with more urgency and seriousness. And I was just thinking again, I think to me what this speaks to is – this news is so volatile because we're still learning so much about the nature of Corona. This virus continues to evolve. Yeah. It was, it's something that we're still figuring out as we head into what will be the third year effectively of this pandemic starting in January, February, when this carries into 2022. Medical experts at the local level also have things to say about Omicron, including Dr. Scott DeSane. The hospitals are full of Delta infections right now. And so, you know, that's sort of a known thing. But if Omicron comes in, there's a possibility that it might be able to spread among people who have already been vaccinated. And, and that means it's a completely different risk to those that are within the institution. 
that's another thing is that we don't know what's happening when it comes to the new versions of this virus. It's hard to figure as we now head into our Christmas season where the last thing you need is this thing suddenly springing up as people are going to start traveling again and thinking they might be able to start to live a relatively normal life again. And listen, we have lived this for what, 22 months now? It's 21, 22 It feels like 22 years at this point. (laughs) 22 lifetimes. We know it's going to hit here. It's just a matter of time. We know that this is going to show up. I think a couple of the things I listened to the 10-minute address that President Biden had from the White House, another one of the phrases that he said that stuck with me was that he plans to, and his administration planned to unveil a winter COVID preparedness plan or something like that later this week. And he said in his address, this isn't about, this is not about shutdowns or lockdowns. It seems like that would be, right now, that's not something that the administration is thinking of, that maybe we're in a situation where the more that these mutations and variants happen, it's just about how do we cope and how do we live with it. I think that to the positive end of this, we've been living with it for nearly two years. We know how to act if things do happen or change, but obviously the change is unnerving in and of itself. And we'll have more on this new variant, the new version, Omicron, and that it is pronounced Omicron. We, That's a work in progress, too. A, we're working on that. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't gotten the whole pronunciation down. Even those of us in Greek letter organizations were struggling with Omicron, Omicron. Just know it's a new variant of the virus, and we will have, of course, every update for it you can possibly think of on our website, kywnewsradio.com. And another major story making news today on this Monday, just coming off of this long Thanksgiving weekend, is Jack Dorsey better known as simply at Jack on Twitter, he's stepping down as Twitter's CEO, effective immediately. Now, to help us get a better sense of exactly who Jack Dorsey is and his influence, we welcome back Christina Coppicer, Luca, our digital managing editor here at KYW News Radio. Good to have you back on today. It's good to be back. I've missed you guys, so I'm glad to have some good Twitter tea for you today. Well, it's certainly good to have you back in here. So, Luca, Jack Dorsey, we've heard a lot about him, obviously, associated with everybody's favorite bird app, but you actually worked there for a while at Twitter. What can you tell us about Jack and kind of give us some, like an idea about his influence over Twitter and over social media here? Yeah, so I actually worked uh, at Twitter when Jack became CEO for the second time back in 2015, which was a really big deal back then. Um, the company wasn't doing super, super great, but he kind of took it in a in a new direction. And I think if you look at the stock, I mean, it's up. I can't do math, but like significant percentages from when, you know, back in 2015 when it was kind of at its lowest point. So Jack has a good track record with Twitter, and he was one of the founders. He's been with the company since day one. He is, in some ways, like the most front-facing employee that the company has. You know, you see him with his big beard, his earring, his kind of like hippy-dippy clothing. Like he's he's <laughs> definitely like a, he's a personality. But he also one thing about Jack that I think if if you follow him on Twitter at just at Jack. He kind of tweets these like cryptic things a lot. He's very big on transparency, but I will say it's funny that they're really cryptic, but he's transparent because he's telling everybody this stuff. But actually yesterday on the 28th, he tweeted at 3 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. So if he was in San Francisco, it would have been like around midnight. He just tweeted, I love Twitter. That's it. Ooh. Which is like, you well. know, he's he's done stuff like that before. Like, But in retrospect, this afternoon, actually, he tweeted a picture of an email that he sent to the company saying, I'm stepping down. It's time for me to move on. It's time for the company to kind of move past its founders, which is kind of a a big statement uh, to come from somebody who has been effectively running two companies, not just Twitter, but also Square, his other company, which if anybody has walked into a store, you've used Square at some point um, to pay 
with your phone or with credit card. The ironic thing I think about this is, is that I follow a lot of, quote, tweeps because I used to work there. A lot of my friends are still <laughs> there. Um, and today is actually supposed to be their, like, global company day of rest. So For this like is, the whole year, not just in a seven-day cycle? I don't know how often they do them, but they'll take, like, company-wide co- company holidays. It's just, like, everybody can just, like, take a day of rest. It's something that a lot of tech companies actually do. Um, but I know that today most people are supposed to not be working, so this is a hell of a day to announce that you're— He picked the right time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if their comms team was able to actually stay offline today because this is a big moment. So effective as of today, per his email, there is a new CEO whose name is Parag Agrawal, and he was, he's been at the company for 10 years. He was uh, a software engineer turned CTO. And now, as of today, he is the CEO. So there's going to be an engineering person running Twitter, which I think is really interesting. I think it's going to be a big day and a big couple of, frankly, weeks uh, while this all gets sorted out. But as of today, Jack is no longer CEO, which is kind of crazy. Guys, I don't really follow business trends and that sort of thing. But the wildest thing about this story was I saw it start to pop up in my timeline a little bit after 9 o'clock. And then almost within like 15 to 20 minutes, Part of these stories on a bunch of different websites talked about the impact of this news affecting the stock price for for Twitter. Yes. So the stock price, uh, basically, after uh, CNBC reported, I believe they were the first ones to get that that news out before Jack tweeted it, the stock actually rose a little bit. um, It kind of has this little spike on the day. And then the minute Jack tweeted his email saying he was absolutely resigning— and he announced the new CEO, it tanked again. So now it's actually currently, as of what, it's 1235. It's currently below its previous close date, which, you know, it's not a significant amount. It's a couple of dollars. But it's still interesting to see that Jack just saying, I'm done, was enough to, like, fluctuate their stock that much and that all of this news. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they halted trading on Twitter temporarily because of this big crazy news. So and people can jump in and try to either get it at a low point, do something uh, different with it. It's yeah. funny how that all works out when it comes to, because I'm thinking I'm no stock expert, but yeah, word of him stepping down because his name has been associated with a lot when it comes to Twitter the last few years. And just and the, he's always been involved in some capacity and he's not just stepping down as CEO, but he also mentioned in his email that he's stepping down from the board. He's going to see through this this term. I think he said May-ish in the email, but that's a big deal too that he's not going to be – I mean I don't think he's going to be involved with the company much at all anymore. I think this is his way of saying like the last you know decade and a half have been great, but it's time for me to move on. Of all these things that are going on, what do you see this – being next for Twitter. Yeah. So I was reading some of the articles that came out today about the new CEO um, and he being an engineering guy. One of the things that stuck out to me, and again, this is all just speculation and just my what I think this might mean, but he's really into AI and sort of the like machine learning side of tech, which is interesting for, you know, I think it, having worked on the curation team at Twitter, I feel very strongly about a human being a part of any of this curation, algorithms, all of that thing, because you need somebody to kind of cross-check the robots. But I do think that that's kind of really interesting that he's coming from this place where he's done a lot of work in the AI space. And, like, maybe that means they're going in a direction where we're thinking they're thinking more about machine learning. I don't really know. I just really hope that they clamp down on all of the hate that gets spread on that platform, because I can tell you— It's a lot. The deeper we get into the pandemic and politics get more divisive and it just becomes a place where people can just scream at each other through text. And you forget that there are humans behind 
you know, the the faces and the and the at symbols and the and the handles. So I hope that they're able to put some effort into it. And I know that they're trying and it's a huge, huge, huge job. I don't envy anyone in that position. Luca, thank you so much for joining us, coming Absolutely. in to help us kind of clarify some of this. And clearly, we will have more on this on our website, which Luca will play a certain part of, obviously, and not only on our website, but on our social media as well, kywnewsradio.com, plus at kywnewsradio on Twitter or on Instagram, as well as on our Facebook page as well. Now, after this quick break, we're going to talk about some football, not American football, the other kind of football. Plus, we'll get a one-of-a-kind perspective about the new Beatles documentary that came out late last week. We'll have all that coming up for you here. You're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Brian Seltzer. And are you a Philadelphia football fan or a Philadelphia football fan? Now, depending on your answer, it could affect how you're feeling today. Yes, the Eagles pretty much fell flat on their face against the Giants yesterday up in the Meadowlands. But last night, another one of Philadelphia's football teams did manage to deliver. Godoy left foot in and Blake again! And the Union are through! His legendary status increasing by the minute here in Philadelphia. Yes, indeed. The Philadelphia Union are now 1-1 away for playing for the MLS Cup, which is the championship of Major League Soccer. That was the call of the game-winning save that was made by goalkeeper Andre Blake during penalty kicks. The game was tied 1-1 with Nashville. They end up winning it 2-0 on penalty kicks. And this was the chaos that ensued, and it was caught by the Union social media team on the field after the game. Now, here to talk more about this, including the club's history, is Gregor Landini. Now, he's not just our resident football expert. He's also KW News Radio's broadcast managing editor. He deals with me enough every day as we get ready for Philadelphia's afternoon news. Now we're here to talk about something that's really, really enjoyable for you. So the union are now a win away for playing for the MLS Cup, Mm -hmm. championship of Major League Soccer. Give us a little bit of insight on the union and Talk to us more about that for those of us who don't really follow MLS that much. Yeah, it's it's like like I said before we came on down in Chester. It's a great game day experience for those who have not gone down and for those who are on the fence. I say check it out. It's a great game day experience. Putting that aside really quick, though, they're writing their own history. I, I, either one of the players or Coach Curtin said that at this point. This year they're really writing their own history because you look, they – we're an international competition played against Club America, one of the biggest soccer clubs in the world. Club America, which is a Mexican-based uh, club team, came out you know, on the short end of that. But the experience is something they can't take away. Now they're grinding their way through the playoffs. And the MLS can be a bit of a grind. You could kind of you could kind of compare it a little bit to uh, uh, the NHL playoffs. Like if you get a hot goal, a good defense, you could really roll through it. And that's kind of what you're seeing right now. I mean, Andre Blake is playing – Absolutely at the top of his game right now. Now, the Union have been around for a little more than a decade. Mm Kind of give us a walkthrough on them. What has this journey been like for this team? It's been a tough journey for this franchise, to be honest with you. And I I think fans that have been there since the beginning will tell you that. I mean, they had not great situations in the front office. You had, you know, the first coach they had, uh, Peter Novak, made controversial moves on and off the field. It was a lot of stops and starts until about – 
I'd say about maybe five, six years ago, where they kind of got their uh, front office a little more in order, kind of solidified the uh, the academy program. And that's the big thing with this team. They weren't going to spend a lot of money on a big flashy guy from Europe. They were going to build from within. They were going to build their academy and create a pipeline of players to either make it to the big club or they could use to transfer to other teams and help, you know, just bring in money to help the club. So it was always – you know, that Oregon to help the club. So now you're seeing like a mix now of the young guys, the local guys that are coming through and the guys that they were able to acquire. So it kind of, you mix it all together and this is what you've gotten. What are some of the stories, some of your favorite stories of this season? I think the, I kind of touched on a little bit. I think the big story is that you're seeing the pipeline now. The other big story for me uh, continuing is, is Jim Curtin. I mean, he's just a, a Positive guy, positive energy, local guy, lives in the city, played for Villanova, gets the fans, gets just gets it. And compared to another team, the 08 run with the with the Phillies, with Charlie Manuel, you got that these guys played for Charlie. These guys play for Jim. And he's the guy that like he he wears the club crest with pride. And he is kind of woven into the identity of this team now. And 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 that so I think those are the kind of the big stories for me. One other thing I want to talk about here is just the overall experience at these games. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. It's a very good game day experience. And, the, the, you know, sports is sports is sports, but soccer culture is a little different where the crowd is very much a participant in the game, much more, I think, than any other sport. I think probably the only thing you could – college sports is the only thing I could kind of p- – Compare it's, to a piece that has that, that tribalism element and where we have it in college football and college basketball. And this is the other thing uh, with what's going on right now. The teams had other opportunities to kind of grab the city and always kind of missed them for one reason or another. But you, you look, the Eagles are struggling. Sixers are kind of in a daze. Flyers are can't get out of their own way right now. Free agency just started for the Phillies, and it's just started, but – other teams are making moves, and they, they seem very cautious so far. So the Union are in a really good spot because they're in the playoffs. They're winning. You know, they play a good kind of tough brand of soccer. You know, they're very much a Philly kind of team where they'll go out there and they'll grind and get get a win and be physical and all that. They have a really good opportunity right now to, for the first time, I think, in a while, to kind of grab hold of the city. And, you know, they're, they're playing with house money. <laughs> exactly. And you, you're, you're a game away, depending on who they play. Uh, so you could get home games all through the playoffs going into the championship game. The, the I mean, that's, 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 that's amazing. Over the past decade, or how, you know, MLS is in this kind of period of expansion. It's kind of slowed down a little bit. But a lot of teams came into the league in a very short span of time. And there were teams that came in after the union that leapfrogged them for success, for attendance for all kinds of things. So to see them kind of claw back and get to this to the spot they're at now is, is, is really kind of satisfying. And that game will be played on Sunday down in Chester yep. Subaru Park. Greg, I know you got a lot to do because <laughs> you are not just – Greg's not just our football expert, our soccer expert. He's also the broadcast managing editor. So I know you got things to do, man. Thank you so much for – your first trip here yeah. on the rundown. Thank you so much for coming. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. You know, Jay, one thing that I'm thinking of as Greg shuts the door behind him as he leaves, should have really put him on the spot. Or maybe this is a question for our director of podcasting, Tom Rickard. Hmm. If the union were to advance the MLS Cup final, do we have a special edition of a podcast that Greg himself used to host, the Philly Soccer Show? 
we can bring that back. I mean, no better time than than the present, especially if they can yeah. get a chance to actually play for the MLS Cup. Why not get that back out there? The streets are asking for it, Tom. What's going on here? We're going to have to talk to the decision makers, the powers who are. Get a final verdict on that. And of all the cool things from over this Thanksgiving weekend, something else that was really cool is that a new Beatles documentary dropped on Disney+. Plus. Now, it's called Get Back, and it's directed by Peter Jackson, the same man who's behind such epics as The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and our own Philly broadcasting legend, Larry Kane, the living legend Larry Kane, had a chance to speak with Peter Jackson for a recent episode of the KYW News Radio In-Depth podcast. Did you feel a pressure putting this together? Yeah, yeah, I did. Really? And, I, and, and I did it there because uh, as a fan, I know that the Beatles never let anybody down. That, that if, if something, I mean, obviously there's been lots of stuff about the Beatles that other people have done, that, you know, of, of marginal quality. But if it's a Beatles project, if it's got the Beatles stamp on it, then they have never disappointed people. I mean, as Ringo actually says in our footage, he says anything the Beatles do has got to be of the highest quality. That's who they are. They don't shortchange anybody on their when they deliver things. And so I, I had this echoing in my head. So I was aware that one, whatever happens, I'm in that. Now I find myself in that boat with, a, with those expectations on me. So over delivering of the best of the highest possible standard, because it's the Beatles, I was aware that was my job. And it, it was, it was scary. It was, it was as scary as hell. So Brian, have you had a chance to check this documentary out? Yeah, Jay, I started diving in on Saturday night and I was initially thrown off a bit by what I was seeing because I didn't really read much about this other than knowing that it was going to be out on Disney Plus. But then I was immediately hooked in. And I'm not the biggest Beatles guy. I love music. I love behind the scenes content. I love learning about processes and what it takes to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. And you're talking about just what seemingly feels like an endless amount of raw footage that was taken by this camera crew in 1969, January 1969, it's just really neat to see the inner workings of this and also the relationships of the Beatles. Because, again, they were so huge. I mean, I'm sure that regardless of whether or not you're a Beatles fan, you know the four names and you know oh, yeah. Yoko and this general narrative that exists. And this doc pulls back the curtain a bit on what we thought the narrative surrounding their relationship was, the Beatles at that point in time. And what it actually was. So I thought it was really neat. I grew up in a house where Motown was the sound of my whole life. And my dad is a huge music enthusiast. There is a copy of an actual vinyl of Abbey Road in his collection. Nice. We all, and, 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 and this was, my dad was 19 years old when that album came out. It's like, it's there. Everybody rolls with the Beatles in one way or another. Whether it's Abbey Road, whether it's Let It Be, anything that they've done there's everybody has something there. I haven't had a chance to see it, but I've always been fascinated by groups like the Beatles. Their music come together is one of my favorite songs that they've done. I'm looking forward to seeing this. It's on Disney Plus, and if you because clearly the next few weeks you're going to have some time to be able yeah. to binge watch <laughs> stuff at the crib, whether it's during a weekend or during one of your breaks, whether it's for Christmas or New Year's or whatever. Make sure you check that out. And one other fun note about this: Larry Kane actually was a Beatles super fan who was following them on their first American tour. So this is like a full circle thing for him as well. So that's the other part of the story, Jay, where, I mean, I grew up in the Philly Burbs. I remember seeing Larry Kane on local news TV, and I know that he later came to work and obviously contributed a great deal here. Like, he is someone who, in listening to this full interview, and again, check out the in-depth feed for KYW News Radio's podcasts because the full interview is there. Like, Peter Jackson 
was expressing a lot of gratitude towards Larry Kane while they're going through this interview because Larry is, and he said this um, in the interview with Peter Jackson, that aside from two guys named Paul and Ringo, Larry's the only other living person in the world right now from America who has seen as many live Beatle performances as the two members of the band itself because he followed them in, six, I think it was 64 and 65, he was a reporter following them and documenting the only reporter in America Wowzers. who got to follow them every step of the way. So I think that's a fascinating aspect of the story. And Peter Jackson, it sounds like, used Larry as a source, and Larry helped him work through this project, which sounds like took up the better part of the last couple of years. It's just, uh, it's really neat. And I want to play one more piece of sound because I think that even if you're not a Beatles fan, there are lessons and things to learn from the making of this album, collaboration, teamwork, human dynamics, all that stuff, sorting through problems that I think is worthwhile to take away from the film. The actual project during um, January 69 to get back, this certainly doesn't go smoothly. But however, the, the point of it is, uh, is that they don't, that doesn't result in the band fracturing and them shouting at each other and then, you know, all that sort of stuff. But actually, they, they solve these problems because they are so tight, they have a psychic sort of understanding with each other and they actually love love of each other. So, you know, we have to make sure it's, it's, it, the nuances are. The, the project itself is a bit of a mess. Um, but the but the but the band holds together because of, because of its friendship. That's really the the truth of it. This is just an incredible thing here. So yeah, look for that on the KWW News Radio in depth podcast feed right now again on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcasts. One other thing that's on the Odyssey app is the Rundown, which is a production of KW News Radio Original Podcast. This show is produced by Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa. The director of podcasting for KW News Radio is Tom Rickard. Me, I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. It's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, you can hear me every afternoon on KW News Radio starting at 3 p.m. for Philadelphia's afternoon news on KW News Radio, 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and on the Odyssey app. Be sure to follow the rundown on Twitter at the Rundown PHL. Again, that's the Rundown PHL, all one word. And you can listen for free, of course, right here on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. My name's Jay Scott Smith, and I'd like to thank you for joining us for this Monday edition of the Rundown.